0: The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagon Halls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can! With Heather Wagon Hall's and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio.
1: segment is sponsored in part by audible.com i don't even know who the sponsor is now get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com forward slash free book yes i nailed it and click on the link to over one hundred fifty thousand titles to choose from for your android um iphone ipad kindle or mp3 player Woo! i am the uh, like the infamous el guapo i am the infamous remember that from Three amigos look he's you don't know who el guapo is he is so famous he's infamous i am the infamous heather wagon halls
0: <laughs> which one was that was that steve martin, or
1: martin uh i think it was i think it was martin short that was saying that yeah he's so famous he's infamous cuz he was trying to like be so smart and imp- and chevy chase was kind of like the dumbest one it seemed like.
0: Have you seen Martin Short's new TV show? No. What is it? It's like a variety show with that other <coughs> Saturday Night Live um, personality. Who the, What's her name? Maya somebody.
1: Does it have to do with money?
0: Uh, absolutely nothing.
1: Then I probably haven't your, watched it.
0: I'm, I'm your inter- entertainment director. You
1: know, <laughs> oh, okay. <you> know, the... <laughs> well, I need to put that on the list of things that I need to watch. I'm supposed to be watching Better Call Saul because I've mentioned that I'm I want to get a law degree. Better and they're like, Call Saul, yeah. I've been told that that's, that, that, that I, I probably shouldn't watch Better Call Saul because supposedly he's a lawyer on the fringe. but
0: It's an, it's an offshoot from Breaking Bad, I think.
1: Oh, and, and I watched exactly zero episodes of that. Oh, you so. did? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, uh, this is the maestro of Moolah as well as the entertainment director, Michael Terry. <laughs> hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right, not with Breaking Bad, Or better call Saul, but with the keys to riches, financial philosophy. Break something. Yeah, it is a breaking show, though. How how awesome was that? What a good segue, my friend. What is our key this week?
0: Break the budget.
1: Woo! (laughs) Yes, I think we saved this. We pulled it out of the gutter at the last minute. (laughs) People are like, turn off. Where's the hook? Don't got a hook. Got to go. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yes. So we are now at our Break the Budget Key. So if you've been with us since the beginning of the season, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because we're going to actually start discerning some financial information about ourselves that you wouldn't normally think of. Hmm. So that's going to be great. We also have Moolah Word of the Day, uh, which has to do with uh, uh, elimination of debt. So that's always a good thing.
0: That's a great thing.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, So we're going to learn about that on uh, today's episode as well. And uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, welcome to the show we're so glad to have you uh if you want to catch up it's not too late just visit the website at keys to riches.com and you can listen to specifically episodes one and two and three because you'll need to have completed those in order to facilitate what is going to happen on today's show uh but if you are a person that saves receipts and collects receipts or only purchases electronically you can kind of backdate it in a way um but it's not always advisable. It's better to start with the envelope system that you'll learn in key two, which is take action, make assessment. But all the rubber meets the road in this week's key. So it'll be really exciting because I believe budgets are bad. Um, if you look at the derivative, it's an originally a French word. It was bouger. Mm-hmm. And it was a woman's small cocktail handbag. Yeah. And so only a certain amount of things can fit in it. And that's the point of a budget. Only certain things fit in. But it actually goes against the way we're biologically created to respond to our environment. And so having a budget is actually bad. Like you might think it's a good thing. But it's like a diet. It's something that you go on to and off of. And usually, whenever we come off of something that's restrictive, like a budget or a diet, we have negative consequences. We usually gain back all that weight or get into bigger debt. So we're going to talk about that on today's show. But first, we can't get into that yet. You know why?
0: What's that? Because we got to do the moolah word. Yeah, do the moolah word. Uh Uh-oh, he's back.
1: He's back. The barfy baby's back. (laughs) But that's Okay. Is you okay? He's okay. Suck it up, buddy. Yeah, suck it up. We got up, some man. amortization to talk about on our moolah word of the day. Oh, yeah. It's a complicated word. So, moolah word, amortization. And this is, a depending on which side of the fence you're on, it could be a cool thing. Uh, So amortization is the gradual elimination of a liability, such as a mortgage, in regular payments over a specified period of time. Such payments must be sufficient to cover both principal and interest. Um, Amortization could also be writing off an intangible asset investment over the projected life of the assets. So, like on a property, um, you have what they call replacement value, or you know, or um, in, in the appraisal terms, they use useful life. Mm-hmm. And so they tell you how long an asset will last. And the IRS has a code thing for this; so it'll tell you how long the property has last. So it's kind of like the depreciation you were talking about. Yeah.
0: So every year, to that, yeah.
1: every year you get a, a chunk of money that you can reduce. Your liabilities by your taxable obligations and I'm not a tax attorney nor a CPA. So don't take my advice No (laughs) Or take my advice and go find a tax attorney or a CPA. I should say Don't listen to me because I don't do my own taxes because they got too complicated I used to do them when I had like one business and now I have like
0: a bazillion businesses and it's too much to keep track of. Good to have somebody do it.
1: Yes, uh, because then I can go focus on the more important things. Instead of counting the pennies, I could pay somebody else to count the pennies and I can focus on creating value for people.
0: Making pennies.
1: Yeah, making pennies, but building value because the money comes when you're doing the right thing and you're on the right track. So if you build enough value for people, they remunerate you. Just kind of an interesting thing. When you yeah. solve people's problems, they pay you for it. Yeah. It works out really good. Sure. <laughs> so the more problems I solve, the more money I make. And I can't be focusing on solving other people's problems if I'm mired in my taxes.
0: Correct.
1: So uh, so amortization is a good thing. So that's when you have a fully amortized loan pays off both principal and interest at the same time. An interest-only loan means that you have a steady payment of interest – um, and the only way for the principal balance to reduce is if you make an additional principal payment. Hmm. So, uh, so if you are a lender, you kind of like interest only.
0: Yeah, I was going to say not a, not a very good loan if you're yeah a borrower, you're,
1: right? Uh, but but if you're a borrower, you like amortized loans because you know that with a consistent payment, um, and they call those the seven eighths. So usually your interest is front loaded. So seven eighths of your payment goes to interest, and one-eighth goes to principal, but by the end of the loan, seven-eighths of, of your payment is going to principal, and one-eighth is going to interest.
0: Those, that's, wow, that's... I so it kind of, it
1: does this yeah. little, little X-turn thing, mm-hmm. you know, like two parallel lines, but they kind of crisscross at some so you, point.
0: So you get a real nice deduction when you're young, and you first bought your home, and then the deduction gets smaller as you get older and more stable.
1: Well, yeah. And theoretically, your income goes up. So, so you're not counting as heavily on that. And so for those that that don't understand this, here's total bonus not included in the price of today's show. (laughs) And that is that if you are going to make principal payments, the best time to do that is at the beginning part of your loan, because it'll severely cut the amount of interest you pay over the life of the loan. Hmm. Because people think, oh, my house cost me $300,000. No, he didn't. And 600. by the time, yeah, by the time you're done paying it all, you've paid more than double that. So if you are going to make principal payments, you want to do that in the first five to seven years. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be much because it just creates so much momentum over time. If you just added one twelfth, like, so if you take your monthly payment, and let's say your mortgage, and I'm going to make this easy on myself, if your mortgage is 1200 bucks a month and you divide your mortgage payment by 12th and add $100, 1/12, into each monthly mortgage payment, then you will make a 13th payment a year. Yeah. But that will go to reducing your total overall interest by 7 to 10 years, yeah. depending on the amortization structure yeah. and, and stuff like that. So that could be a really powerful oh, tool. Yeah. That's the worst time for people to refinance. Because um, uh, uh, the worst time for people to refinance is once they've had their mortgage for a long time and they're over that initial hump and they're not in the seven-eighths part, maybe they're like 50-50, they've had their mortgage for 10 years and somebody sucks them into refinancing, that's like one of the worst things that you could possibly do. Because at this point, what you're doing now is you've got 50% of your payment going to principal, Right. When you refinance, you it all over again and now mm-hmm. you're at seven, eight. So now you're not making the dent that you were making. You were just starting to gain momentum. Yeah. you know, And that's when people make these big mistakes and they don't realize the true cost. And a mortgage professional should tell you what's right going
0: front. on. Right up front. Yeah. But
1: they don't because they want to get the loan done. Yep. And because the, the perception is that I want to save money monthly. Right. But here's a little trick that you don't even need a mortgage person to do. And here's like extra bonus. I should actually charge for this because this is like the keys to the castle. You can do this without a lender, without reapplying for a loan, without having to submit pay stubs. You can take your same interest rate, like not even change the interest rate. But if you've been making your principal payments, additional principal payments, and you've seen a big dip, you know, and you're at that 10 year mark, you can call up your mortgage company and it's not a new loan determination all you're asking them to do is recast your loan, which means they recalculate your interest rate based on the principal left. Okay. And that'll reduce your monthly payment, even though it doesn't change your interest. If you can reduce your monthly payment, if you've been used to paying twelve hundred right. and it goes down to eleven hundred or a thousand, now you got room to make two hundred dollars a month extra in principal payments. I mean, that's the real smart thing to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Isn't refinance? It's to recast, and it's a no big deal because because you tell a lender that you're going to pay off, and they don't want it. They don't want to lose your yeah. loan, especially if you made your payments on time. They will recast that loan like, shoo. Yeah, you know. So, and and now it used to be like a not so commonly used thing, but after this big mortgage crisis, sometimes they just refer to them as loan modifications. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily need an interest rate drop because that can potentially be a new loan determination for them and if you may not qualify for it maybe you've taken a job law like a hit in your income or mm-hmm. something that you that might not be the best opportunity for you you may not qualify for yeah. it yeah and you don't want your lender to know that um so recasting doesn't cost them any money it's like it's a recalculation sometimes they whack you like 150 bucks mm-hmm. some malarkey bullcrap fee but at least you get that significant reduction. Yeah. You know, and so that can be that's really, great. really helpful. That's
0: great to know because we were actually thinking of refinancing and I'm just, you know, we, I, the banker called today and it's like, what's the sense? You know, it's like it doesn't, with all the work that's involved to for another, for three quarters of a point, you know, we're at the end of the loan.
1: Oh, if you're at three quarters of a that's not even worth it. Yeah. The fees alone will cancel out. You'll never make that money back in in the refi
0: well the uh you know Jennifer's a, a got some high-end status but even still it's it's just not worth it
1: three quarters of a point isn't gonna make it no. it's not gonna make you bump at all
0: and like you said you're gonna start all over yeah so
1: yeah I can help her out I'll straighten her out I'll yeah. get her on the psh. no she she, <laughs> she, she she said no okay oh, good. She, she, outstanding well yeah. that's awesome <laughs> So this segment is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for Keys to Riches radio listeners at KeysToRiches.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So it's that time. Let's talk about, uh, so that's it for moolah word. And uh, let's talk about this week's key, shall we? Because this is an important key.
0: Break the budget.
1: So, yes. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> To the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. The Keys to Riches is a baker's dozen of financial concepts that teach you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, building wealth while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do this one key at a time, one week at a time here at the Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. And to break the budget is where we are now. So what you need to do is you need to get out your assessment envelope. If you have been with us this whole season or at least from Key 2, then you started an assessment envelope. So we're going to get that out and we're going to start sorting out our receipts. We're going to categorize them. And if you want the worksheet, you just got to visit the website at keystoriches.com and put in the search bar. The uh, Break the Budget Worksheet. And what you're going to do is you're going to catalog all of these things. And what's going to happen once you catalog this month's worth of receipts, you're going to start seeing a pattern. Because the purpose of this key is twofold. One is to get you thinking differently. Because thinking consciously differently than you actually think biologically and operate. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> your your uh, codative mind has a completely different plan for you than your conscious mind. And your logic brain... Um, can make a whole lot of sense out of stuff, but if you 're not congruent with what 's going on in your subconscious and your your uh, instinctive brain, then it, it, all hope is lost because you 've got it 's a tug of war between twelve percent conscious activity and eighty eight percent subconscious behavior and conscious thought and subconscious behavior is is a no win situation yeah, so what we have to do is we have to work with the way our brain and body works and so budgeting is bad. OK, it's like a diet. Like I said before, it's something you go on to and off of. And usually it has dire ramifications when you exit. Uh, and that's usually why we have all of this perceived guilt and all of this stress, uh, because we think, well, I, I blew it and we don't get back up right. in
0: the saddle. Self-esteem. Issues. Right.
1: But well, there's a there's something that's inherently bad about um, abstaining. So I have a little process after we go through um, and and analyze what we're looking for here then I'm going to give you a couple of strategies here. Um, And hopefully we'll be able to get through it in the time we have left. So as we we catalog our receipts and once we get it all put on our, our break the budget worksheet, it's a savings and spending tracker is what it is, is what you'll be finding. And you'll categorize it, the expenditures by day. And then you want to take just a step back and look at it from a big picture standpoint. And we're going to be looking for trends, okay? And some days there'll be no expenditures. Some days we'll have tons of expenditures. Some some days there'll be sporadic expenditures. There'll be stuff that we should be paying for, like... Survival things like food, shelter, water. And then there'll be the, um, uh, what is it, elective activities. Mm-hmm. You know. So what we have to do is when we find we've got some clumps of spending, we're looking for something that is not about how much because most people look at how much is going in and out. And ideally, it needs to be less than what's coming in. Cash flow is another conversation. But if we're spending more than we make, we have to look at when. The question isn't why. Because I'll tell you what the why is. Because biologically you went against something and you had cognitive dissonance, which means there was a disagreement between your subconscious values and beliefs and your conscious drives. And so you did something to try to fix that emotional uncomfortableness. That's what's happened. That's the why. Why? And what happened. But what we're looking for is when. Because if we can figure out the when things happen, we'll know the why that catapulted the behavior. And then and only then can we figure out the how to fix it. Because you already know to spend less and save more. I don't need to tell you to do that. You already know that. You hear it from everywhere. And other gurus will yell at you about overspending. This is not about overspending. It's is about managing your physiology. And this is why it's so important that our key five, our take emotion out of the picture, should be take biology out of the picture. How do we set that aside? Because we're responding to things in our, our environment and we're responding to thoughts in our head that make us do things that have big financial ramifications. We don't realize it at the time. And that's why we got to take a look at it. So uh, when we look at an expenditure for a day, for example... And let's say you blew, you know, $500 at the mall, okay? So did the $500 at the mall put you out of your budget? Probably. Let's just say that for for all intents and purposes, it puts you over this month. Yes. Obviously, we didn't need to do that. Right? So you say, "Okay, I won't do that again." But if we don't figure out what happened and we don't look at when it happened, we're never going to be able to correct that behavior. So we got to look behind the purchase. When did it happen? It happened right after X. And I'll give you, this is kind of like the money drama that I always like to do with this key. I had a girlfriend um, that every time she would fight with her husband, she would go to the mall and blow a ton of cash. She would be on the phone with me, calling and screaming and yelling. And then I'd be like, where are you? Because she'd be really riled up. She'd be like, I'm going to the mall. (laughs) and then she'd go do this so ideally on the surface you would think okay so she's just trying to make herself feel better from the fight but the fights were always about her going to the mall and blowing a ton of money (laughs) so we had to look further back so when did this occur so this shopping spree occurred right after a fight what precipitated the fight okay and why after every fight do we go to the mall We have to look back. We have to peel the layers back and see what's driving the behavior. Well, when she was a kid and her parents would fight, the first thing that the mom would do would grab the two daughters and run to the mall and go shopping. Hmm. She'd pull out a piece of plastic and everything was better. Okay? Yeah. The difference between her and her parents is her parents were wealthy. But her and her husband were not. Okay, he just worked an average job. I don't even remember what he did. It was insignificant. Yeah. He just had a job. He was going to school and just yep. getting by. And she was busy blowing cash all over the place. <laughs> and so the training was in place for a very long time. The script that says, fight with husband, go spend money. So it wasn't about her not knowing better. I mean, that's what the fights were always about, her blowing money. She knew not to blow money. hmm But it was an ingrained behavior from childhood that she had to overcome. And so every time she had a fight, she had to figure out alternative ways to release that. Because you can't just delete a behavior. Life doesn't occur in a vacuum. So you have to replace it with a healthier alternative. So she had to go ride a bike for an hour. Go get some exercise. And that does a lot of things. It brings in sure. oxygen into the system. It reframes your brain. It moves mm-hmm. all of that, that biological hormone dump that you have that can cause you to just default to your pre-programmed behavior. She had to actively create a new behavior. And what was amazing is once she was able to work on that and she was able to retrain that behavior – she wasn't out spending money so there were less fights about sure, money sure. and so it almost resolved itself by peeling back the layers yeah. and figuring out what it was but if it was just about not spending $500 a month that was not going to fix it and that's what a regular budget person would tell you to do well you either need to make $500 more or stop spending mm-hmm. and was she going to give up her cigarettes was she going to give up like you know her fancy car she had to have a sports car like she wasn't going to give up those things yeah So it was about the behavior retrainment that had to be figured out. And so that's what this key is about is, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at when things happen and we're gonna look at what set that behavior in motion to make that expenditure. Cause when we can figure out what the catapult is, what the landmine is that you stepped on that catapulted you into this crazy behavior, that's where the power of this key lays is in the ability to identify what is the real problem. It's not overspending. That's not the real problem. It's the precipitating behavior that puts us in a fight freeze or flee mode and we respond instinctively at this point. Because when we if we think about Logic Larry and the three amigos, he is cut off in our three-story house. If the if you get triggered in either your first brain, which is the I do, or the second brain, your crazy curmudgeon who's remembering a past experience on how to handle something, they're never going to let your stimulus get to logic layer to make a reasonable decision. It's not gonna happen. He can't, you can't have logic. It's it's I do, I feel, I think. And I think, and, well, I shouldn't say I think. I know that society... Thinks it's opposite. Thinks yeah. that it's. I think. I feel. I do. But that's not how we respond. <clears throat> we react instinctively to things, and when we do this, um, it could have dire ramifications if we're reaching for pre-programmed behaviors that are non-productive. Because right. your brain doesn't know if something is good or bad. It just knows what is. Here's this behavior. When this happens, it's like a computer program. If X happens, then do Y. Right. And so if X is I fight with my husband. The answer is then do Y, go to the mall. And so what we had to do is reprogram her Y and say, okay, so instead of going to the mall, Y equals a bike ride. Y equals a walk outside. Mm -hmm. Y equals something. Exercise, who knows? not going to the mall yeah we erase that answer we read out in a new one and we have to rehearse it we have to program that behavior and so it's not just about thinking about what the alternative is it's actually practicing it imagining the situation reliving it and then sub cutting off that that activity that next activity that the subconscious wants to to go to and actively choose a new response and it's tough really tough Because you're taking and you're trying to carve a new superhighway from not even a dirt path. Yeah. So the first road is just kind of pushing down the weeds, and then it becomes a well-worn path. And then the uh, commercial trucks come in and grade it, and then you can pave the road. And then after time, after it gets sealed and and concreted over, then you have a nice little superhighway. But that doesn't happen overnight, and it's a myth. I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but it's a myth that it takes 21 days to change a habit. That's somebody that wants to sell you a program and knows that you're not going to be engaged for more than that. Right. It was, it was just a subjective number. It's just something that the psycho-cybernetics guy came up with.
0: probably had to do with economics, too. No,
1: it had nothing to do with it. No? No. Maxwell Maltz is the guy that wrote psycho-cybernetics, and he just came up with that number. He was a plastic surgeon. And he just kind of came up with that number about changing habits. There was no science behind it. And so with research, or at least what we know with um, uh, uh, occupational therapy, when you have to relearn a skill, like say you had a stroke or an accident or something like that, it takes three to 5,000 times to learn how to walk, to learn how to eat, to learn how to brush your teeth. Three to 5,000 times to make that automatic behavior. So you think 21 days is going to cut it?
0: No, it ain't. It's probably why rehabs aren't very successful.
1: (laughs) There you go. The average, they actually, um, Psychology Today did a really neat study. And they actually came up with what is the magic number. And they came up with 66 days. Wow. If you can make it 66 days, you're in there like swimwear. Yeah, yeah. And that means not only just executing that activity 66 days consecutively, but... Also, being able to repel any draw to going back to the old habits. Yeah. You know, so it's almost more than 66 times, but 66 going through the neural pathways to build up that new connection. So the other one grows weak and then just falls off. Yeah. And then you kind of forget about it. So, but remember, it's like riding a bike, as they say. Yeah. Uh, So, yes. So, what we have to do is figure out how to make these adjustments. And once we identify, the when things happen and what precipitated that response, that financially negative response. Then and only then can you take action and create new alternatives for yourself. And this is where practicing the, the, the three R's comes in because cause you can review and revise. This is each, each quarterly update, you review and you revise and then you recommit to the plan. Mm-hmm. But you have to also rehearse the new scenario and get that embedded in, just like hope for the best, plan for the worst. What we talked about is we had to create our financial fire escape plan, but we actually had to walk it and do it. We had to make sure that we were taking those steps and playing it out, both mentally and if we could physiologically, You know, just like you practice a fire drill, you go down the the fire escape or you open the window and throw the ladder down. Whatever it is that you have to practice, you practice it to make sure that you get it down. And so you have to rehearse these new behaviors because we will fall off the wagon. And especially initially, all we have to do is stand back up. That's all success is, is getting up one more time than you fall down. And if you can keep getting up, you can succeed at anything. Yeah. And that's the key. Yeah. So that's it for this week's key. For this key statement, key action item, key affirmation, please visit our website at keystoriches.com. And for the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Thanks for listening to the Keys to Riches. Now go out and unlock your wealth today.
0: UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches financial wellness series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.